to own or not to own? Look, should I rent or share as opposed to owning an asset? Um, the move towards leveraged assets is increasing exponentially. Hey, I'm John Harris, and this is the Exponential Entrepreneur Academy, coming to you live from our digital studios. Owning critical assets such as big machinery, etc., was a standard process for brick-and-mortar businesses. Um, basically, everything was owned, the staffing was internal, and perhaps one of the first to go into a rental basis um, were photocopiers. Um, the move towards shared resources gives you a couple of strategic advantages. Obviously, there's not the capitalization, and most importantly, there's huge flexibility. So let's think about some of the, the companies out there that are, are utilizing um, leveraged assets. Apple has a partnership with Foxconn. So the factories that are producing many of the Apple products is actually produced in somebody else's factories. That's a partnership, and it means something that Apple doesn't have to own. The Tesla story is slightly different. Tesla has its own factories, and it's not really about the money saving. Elon Musk has got some very new capabilities within his factories, and he sees them as a strategic advantage. For example, in the battery, in production of batteries now, he's looking to be ultra, ultra effective and efficient. Even in his Falcon rocket creation, um, I think they some crazy figure like they're going to be have the capacity to build a rocket a month in, in the future. Some, some crazy stats. So it depends on your point of view. But the flexibility is very important, and you can use it for research and development as, as well as uh, production and as well as idea sharing. Um, I'd like to tell you a story because I myself went and set up a little shared space. And, you know, in, in many areas it's very successful. But, of course, the one thing I didn't do which I shouldn't and which I talk about is research. So I just jumped in as usual. And a lot of what happens with the competition in shared space, co-working space, is that they would – um, be convenient to areas where there are a lot of companies, a lot of organizations. So it's very convenient to go to whatever place is nearest, physical space is nearest to them, to to use a leveraged asset such as a co-working space, a shared space, um, for doing uh, some team discovery, uh, research and development, innovation ideas, and, and things like that. And uh, unfortunately, I chose an area where there isn't a lot of business and there wasn't really enough traction with small business enterprises. It wasn't that feasible. There wasn't a great money-making idea. But it is working in areas in a very big way, even with independent small business owners um, where they come in and share ideas. Because for a lot of independents, and as you know, for a lot of entrepreneurs, it's very lonely. And to become exponential, to double your capabilities and capacity, it's very important to share ideas, to share innovation, and to work um, and co-work with other people, to have teams. And a lot of it, okay, fair enough, can be outsourced. Um, take example to expand on the idea gyms. So a lot of people may have a little gym equipment at home, some gym equipment at home, and they use it. But if you go and join a gym, 
a big gym, there's a lot more space, there are a lot more machines, there's instruction, there's motivation than the other people. This is the motivation is very important. Being isolated on your own doesn't isn't conducive to being that productive. Okay. I'm unless you're doing some creative work. So tech shop's another one. Tech shop has big machinery. Um, so companies in the area for a monthly fee can join tech shop and they can come in and use their machinery, obviously on availability, and they can get things done without having to capitalize huge amounts of money for, for large machinery. In the digital world, that now is not localized to a specific plant. If you're doing printing, you can send a code across the planet and have something printed. Uh, okay, maybe not on mass scale, but on specific items, uh, digital is very powerful because it can be it doesn't have borders. So you know we have uh, companies that actually import different printing machines. And they also have a facility where you can go to them and use the different types of machines to do printing jobs. So it's an added income source for them. Then staff on demand. Here's another big one. So a lot of companies will have staff, their basic core staff. They'll have other staff depending on the size of the organization. But what often happens is for a specific project, they may not need permanent staff. Um, they may need to subcontract or set up a product, a project, should I say, team. So that project team can then be subcontract. They can source it out from other companies, other platforms. You can go to platforms to source work out, you know, freelancer, etc. There are a lot of platforms out there that you can get work done um, by other people that aren't permanent staff. And this is very powerful because some of the people are very good at jobs, aren't necessarily the qualified ones within certain industries. It's quite incredible. The folding of protein, for example, how proteins, different proteins fold is what those, those, those molecular structures is what creates the different proteins, how it folds together. It's one of the, the very strange events in nature. And scientists have been trying to work this out for a long time. They've been using algorithms and all sorts of things to try and understand this highly, highly qualified people. Yet one of the most uh, expert folders in the world is uh, I believe it was a lady from Liverpool or somewhere, and she's a PA or secretary, and she was brilliant at creating these folded proteins, which was a gamification uh, exercise, a game they played. And they asked her how she did it, and as she said, it's kind of like a crocheting. Okay, so often some people that are very good at things aren't necessarily qualified in those things. So finding the best people, going to the crowd, which is an interim step to AI, is, is quite a good way uh, of getting staff and, and, and actually problem solving. Um, you can have other competitions where you can set up uh, prize money and you can get people coming in from around the world and they can compete for that prize money to get an outcome. For example, the oil spills, how to clean up the oil spills. I think that was done. The winner of that was a tattoo artist. Okay. Um, they, the, the, the space travel. Um, you know, you've got uh, Branson entering in Virgin's of the space travel, galaxy space travel. The thing was, it didn't start out like it. It didn't enter it to start with. Peter Domendes and XPRIZE went in and sorry, a, a, a competition, 10 million bucks to get a vehicle to go into space twice within a certain amount of short period of time to be reusable at, to a certain altitude. And there was a winner for that. And then he jumped in. Okay. So that solved the problem. And you can see that private enterprises in the space race now. And a lot of problems can get solved through the crowd. Now, shared resources, here's another one to think about. So why I'm mentioning this? Because to become exponential, you've got to have a different business model. You need to understand that you can have a very small team be very powerful. We know about Kodak and Instagram. Instagram, a very small team, 13 or so, sold for a billion dollars. 
to Facebook. Uh, Kodak got into all sorts of trouble with I think it was 130,000 employees. So you can see the disproportionate competitive advantage you have when you have a, a, an exponential organization. Um, Uber. So, you know, Uber doesn't own cars. Well, I believe they may be starting to buy up some Teslas. But uh, they, they were using other people's resources, shared resources, creating a platform for drivers and people to organize uh, transport. You've got Airbnb. They don't own buildings. So they're one of the biggest hotel groups now, uh, or accommodation, should I say, in the world. So that is somebody's resource. They may have extra room, extra space. They want to rent it. And they go through uh, Airbnb. So you can see the power of these platforms that are sharing resources and how they can cut your capitalization massively in order to make you more competitive. And you can use it more for innovation and R&D. So these are things to think about when you're going to become exponential, even if you're doing it as an individual entrepreneur. You're going to be using other people's platforms. And uh, if you're creating things where you're creating your own products, uh, maybe it's information products, you're in the knowledge industry, maybe you're looking to do a how-to product, you're going to use other people's platforms to do your funnels on, for example, to do your automations on for your email campaigns, etc. You may then subcontract a lot of that workout uh, through Fiverr, etc. to get those jobs done, get your assets created. So these are things you need to be thinking about as how you can leverage up and, and ratchet up your capabilities as an exponential entrepreneur. So that's a little bit about leveraged assets, and um, I hope it's been useful. Remember, you can like, follow, subscribe to us, and you can always go to our Facebook page. There is a link there if you'd like to see where our next Exponential Mastermind or go onto that list, and we'll be coming up in the new year with, a, with a, the, the, the next year's um, Exponential Mastermind uh, program. Um, and as usual, I'll see you in the next episode.